We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome to the Field of 68's After Dark Show, this Tuesday edition. We had a heck of a slate, folks. Wow, we got a lot to get to. I am your host tonight. I am Jim Root, and I am joined by Rob Douster and Randolph Childress. We've got Randolph on the second night of a back-to-back, a Sega Baba, as they call it, in the <laughs> NBA. Uh, Randolph, how are you feeling? We had your Deeks tonight. They had a real close call at Duke. Are you ready to do this two nights in a row? Yeah, man. I'm still running off the adrenaline from that game, so let's do it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Rob, you ready to rock out there? I'm always ready to go. Excellent. Well, let's get to it, guys. Let's Let's get started with... Uh, the biggest game of the night, of course, that is Providence and Villanova. We had some Field of 68 boots on the ground there with John Fanta, Jeff Goodman, trying to get in with the crowd there. But I, I think they have a clear bias towards Mr. Fanta, and that will continue. Uh, Villanova with the big five-point W on the road. This was the, the battle of computers versus the eye test. A lot of uh, pushback against Mr. Ken Pomeroy. The students made their feelings clear. Well, let's start with with actually with the host team here, Rob, with, with Providence. They're hosting. They're not able to get it done. They finally lose a game that's less than six points after Jared Bynum makes the three at the end there. Do we think any less of Providence after this, or is this kind of exactly what you expected? They were four-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game, and they lost by five, which kind of tells you is about the way that the game uh, was expected to be played by the people that pay attention to these kinds of things. But um, no, I mean, it was, it was pretty much exactly what you would expect a Providence game to be, right? They were tough. They were physical. They weren't quite as good defensively as you would want them to be. But again, they, they got the ball to Nate Watson down the stretch. They got the ball to Al Durham down the stretch. He made the plays you need him to be able to make down the stretch. Uh, the only difference is Colin Gillespie is, uh, is, is awesome. Colin Gillespie is an All-American for a reason. He also happens to be about 24 years old. Jim, he might be as old as you at this point, but uh, Randolph, I, I don't know if I've seen five individual performances this season that were more impressive than what we saw from Gillespie tonight. Yeah, he put him on his back. I think he got a little help from a lot of different guys at certain times. Justin Moore was was good for a long time as well. But Colin Gillespie tonight, man, I mean, 33, clutch shot after clutch shot. When they needed a bucket, you know, he he 
he created it. I mean, he he was big time tonight. I mean, like you said, I think Johnny Davis might have had a performance similar to that, maybe better, but he's been one of the three best that we've seen all year. That was that was that was great. Yeah, Davis had the 37 at Purdue. That's definitely the one that yeah. stands out. Yeah. I mean, Gillespie, he has that post game that I think is kind of a secret for a guard, but I didn't know he could do it against Justin Manaya. That was the shocker for me, Rob. He went in there. Uh, pump faked Manaya in the air for an and one at one point. I know Mr. Fanta tweeted about how impressive that move was, but he was hitting shots inside. He was hitting them outside. I think well, he's been criticized in the past for not the, getting those clutch buckets, but he got them tonight. Yeah, I, that, that's what the Villanova program does. I mean, Ryan Archdiakono scored out of the post. Jalen Brunson right. scored out of the post. Uh, their best teams are when they are able to invert their offense and get the ball to their guards, backing people down and bringing their big men out in the perimeter. The way that they kind of run things is like, okay, you have guards that aren't used to guarding in and around the basket, so we're going to put our guards down there. You have big guys that aren't used to guarding three-point shooters like Omari Spellman, so we're going to let them stand out there and shoot 40% from three. Uh, they were one of the originals to switch everything defensively. Um, I, I don't know how many people back in 2016 when they won their first title were willing to put point guards on big men in the post and deal with the mismatches that you were going to end up getting. It was a very uh, modern kind of basketball concept at the time. And, and I think that other people are kind of catching up a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, nobody is better at doing what they do than Villanova does. And, and I, I've made this point before, but there is a there is a mental advantage that that Villanova has in games like this. Like they don't get rattled. You walk into the dunk tonight. That was probably a top five environment that you're going to see in college basketball this season in terms of how loud it was, how rowdy it was, how drunk all of those students were. I mean, that place was rocking. Did you see the video of when everybody was singing Taylor Swift at the under four timeout? The only time that you see Taylor Swift like that in mass is when you're hammered. All of those people were hammered in Providence that night. And I don't know if you know it even from Providence, but when they when they get drunk, they like to talk a little bit. They like to be loud. They like to be noisy. So that place was rocking. And it was like Colin Gillespie was out there taking practice jumpers. I mean, and it wasn't just like Justin Moore didn't get rattled at the beginning. Villanova was in control of that game throughout the entirety of it. it that was, I mean, that was quintessential Villanova right there. Yeah, I, I was I impressed. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I thought Providence just rolled the wave a little too much. I thought they took some quick shots. Reeves came in, took some tough shots. Bynum came down. It's, they were playing so much off the emotions of the crowd. And like you said, Villanova was just consistent, took good shots, stayed within themselves, and was in control of the whole game. Providence, as great as that environment was, they went on an ebb and flow with the crowd, taking some questionable shots that I thought that put them in, in bad you know, defensive transition, they couldn't get matched up a couple of times, and I thought it hurt them. Do we think that is going to be an issue going forward for Providence where they're not going to have that kind of a crowd on their side? Uh, or is that something that on a neutral court in the NCAA tournament, we're not really that concerned about? They're going to be that mellow veteran team with four graduate uh, seniors in their starting lineup. Rob, are you, are you just not that worried about that aspect? I mean, I am worried about it a little bit. What I will say is I'm a little bit more worried about the fact that that Al Durham doesn't decide to show up until the final five minutes, right? Like, I, I think that you need a little bit more out of him throughout. It, it's, it's such a hard way to try to survive winning games by clawing back in the final minutes and winning him down the stretch. Like, at some point, you just want to go out and win a game by 15 points, right? So I, I do think that they need to they need to get to a point where they can kind of play the same way that they play in the final eight minutes for the first 32 minutes of the game. Um, it, it just it makes your life a lot less stressful to be able to do that. And, and you you run into situations where 
Um, you know, we talk about small sample sizes, but what, what was the narrative every time Virginia was in the tournament? They play so few possessions and small sample sizes, it's easier to upset them. Well, when you're playing with Providence, it's basically like they're waiting to make it an eight-minute game down a stretch. And then when you're only playing for eight minutes, it's going to be easier for you to lose in a situation like that. So that's my only takeaway from this game. But I'm kind of, you know, nitpicking them at that point. It's just I, I, they are what they are. They are a very, very good team. They just got beat by the, uh, the, the team that owns the Big East at this point. I, I think it's just as simple as that. So, Randolph, would you say that Villanova's kind of taken back the driver's seat in the Big East because they get to host Providence still down the stretch? Uh, or do you think this is still kind of a toss-up? How do you see the race going down the stretch? I, I think it's a toss-up. They very well could go in there and, and, and win this game in Villanova now. I, I, don't, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination it's over. The thing I shocked me the most is both teams are in the 80s. I thought this was going to be a low-scoring game, kind of a grinded-out game. And then they put up what? you know, 170, 73 points. Like I didn't, I didn't see that. So I thought we'd be, you know, a combined 120, 125 or so. And, and, and both teams play well. Like, like you said, Robbie, I thought Durham got off to a really slow start. I, I, I thought he, I, I was surprised by that. He picked it up early, but again, I'm more impressed with that because again, he and Brian Amar, they're closers and he at least showed up. He showed up at the very, you know, last couple minutes of the game. So I, I, they got, they, they got a chance. I, I'm not overly you know, concerned about it. Yeah, I feel like we're making this about Providence and what they didn't do right. right. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's what happened in this game. I think Villanova went out there and won a game the way that Villanova does in moments yep. like this. Right. I, to me, to me, this the narrative of this game and the storyline that should be coming out of this game is Colin Gillespie made his claim to be the best point guard in college basketball. Colin Gillespie showed everybody why Villanova is uh, what's, what's the phrase that rather a, a fortune 500 company or whatever, why they are a machine that runs the way that they run. And to me, the storyline is that Villanova take their claim to being the best team in the big East. And that's, to me, that's the end of it. Providence did what they do. They are as good as they are. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't think any less of them from this performance. It just, you know, they, they got their ass kicked by Villanova. A lot of teams have experienced that. Yeah, Providence shot 65% inside the arc. Like, they, they didn't do anything wrong. They, they, they might have exposed Villanova's uh, interior defense. That's definitely a concern for them going forward. But I mean, uh, they could have yeah. switched a little bit better on Gillespie when he got those two open threes. I, I mean, how many times they do that? Like, come on. Yeah, he, he had the late one where he got somebody to fly by, and that, that like, I think under a minute left, and that was that, that felt like the dagger. Um, all right. Let's anything else we want to cover from this game. And we've got the big East race. Do, do you have, um, which one do you think has a better chance of going deep in March? Let's just hit that real quick. Uh, obviously the predictive analytics like Villanova more, but Providence has shown the ability to win close games. They have the veteran experience. They have Ed Cooley on the sideline. RC, do you have a, a team that you think uh, it has a little bit of an edge in March based on what you saw tonight? I, I still like Providence. Uh, I, the thing that concerns me with Villanova again is that the inconsistency shooting from the perimeter tonight, you know, Gillespie shot lights out. Justin Moore was great. Uh, I, I just would like to see more from their other guys. I mean, from Slater, he, he was solid tonight. Didn't miss a shot, but I, I, I like to see more consistency from the other guys. And if they don't hit shots from three, which come and go, they struggle. Yeah. The demise of Jermaine Samuels, three point shooting is a, is a really concerning story for them. Hasn't hit more than one three in a game in, I think, two months, and he's at down to 23% from deep. That's a problem, not having him stretch the floor. Uh, Rob, how do you see those two in March? I, I honestly don't love either of them in March because I think at some point you need to have 
you need to have pros. You need to have NBA talent. You need to have guys that can go out and win a game on their own. And I know I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth when I say that, and then you go and watch Colin Gillespie do what he did tonight. Uh, but I do think that part of the reason why he was able to thrive is that Providence does not have a backcourt that is super long and super athletic. Like Jared Bidem kind of is what he is. And Al Durham is a, honestly, I, I feel like Al Durham would have been a great Villanova basketball player, right? <laughs> Just kind of the way that he's built and the way that he wants to play. Um, so I, I don't love either of these teams as, as potential national title contenders or teams that can necessarily make it to the final four. Yeah, this Villanova team feels a little more like 2014, 2015 when, when Wright mm-hmm. got upset in the second round. People were riding him for not winning in the tournament, and then suddenly he had a couple of pros and two national titles in his pocket, and that, that certainly turns things around. I mean, think around. about the guys they had on those teams that won the titles. Like, it was Ryan Archidiakono's been in the NBA since he left school. Like, six years in the league is a long time in the league. Jalen Brunson was National Player of the Year, a McDonald's All-American, and I think he was, like, 32nd pick. Dante DiVincenzo was a, a mid-first-round pick. Mikhail Bridges was – didn't he go 10th? Yeah, uh, lottery pick, a lottery yeah. pick. Amari uh, uh, Spellman was the 30th pick in the draft. Um, they had Josh Hart who was a first-round pick that is still playing in the NBA. Like, they had pros on pros on pros on pros on both of those teams. And I don't know if there's a guy on this roster that's going to play in the NBA. Yeah, that's one. like, if they make the run, maybe suddenly they become pro prospects. But that, that would require them getting to a gear that I don't think they have, have shown quite yet. I mean, the, the at-Baylor game is still lurking in my mind of that offensive performance that was, uh, was not great. Um, all right, let's let's move on a little bit. Let's go down. Uh, and just to, for anybody listening, we're going to hit some of these these other games, the big ones from tonight, Kentucky, Tennessee. Once that wraps up uh, some of the bubble games, got to talk Memphis. They have they have forced their way back into the conversation. So we will hit the Tigers uh, and then just some of the other ones from the Big Ten. Wisconsin, Indiana will be wrapping up shortly. Got a minute left in that one. Um, let's go to the, the the bubble discussion, though, because. Uh, I don't think that has the Tennessee one wrapped up. You guys have eyes on that one. Yeah. There's a minute, there's a minute 47 left minute 47. Okay. Um, so that one, that'll be wrapping up shortly, but we can go to the the bubble discussion and get to Memphis right now. The Tigers are back. They're, they're legitimate. They got a road win today at Cincinnati, a team that gave them a little bit of problems in Memphis the first time around. Now they're, they're, they're trending to be in the tournament. Our, our uh, bracketologists at the field of 68 have them in, in the last four in. They would be in Dayton at this point. Rob, do you see them as a threat to make a run out of that situation, kind of the way UCLA did last year? I, I actually kind of do. I, I actually am I'm back in on this Memphis team because it feels like they've gotten back to what they were when they won the NIT, which is uh, we're going to grind you down defensively. And we're going to do just enough on the offensive end of the floor to be able to win games. Um, I think that they are more bought in at this point. I f- it feels like everybody is fighting in the same direction. Uh, they've actually found a way to, to make Jalen Duran a, a really useful piece. I, I didn't realize this until I looked it up today. He's their leading scorer right now. I think DeAndre Williams is their best player and their, uh, their most valuable piece. Uh, but, I mean, Jalen Duran is leading them in scoring and rebounding and block shots. Uh, they've, they've found a way to make him a very effective and useful piece. And that's important because it feels like everyone is kind of bought in on that group now. And like I said, they're, they're winning the games that, that they're supposed to be winning the way that you want to see a, a Memphis team win those games, which is kind of beating you up defensively, more or less, right? And, uh, you know, RC, I want to ask you this. Um, T.O. made this point. On, uh, on the podcast that, that I do with him on Monday. But he said that the fact that 
Penny has gotten this group to stay bought in, to stay mm-hmm. the course, to keep fighting the way that they've been fighting and keep trending in the right direction and turn this thing around. I, I know the AAC isn't great, but the fact that they are winning these games, the way that they are winning them after everything that happened earlier this season, I think you've got to give Penny a ton of credit for what they've done. Oh, I mean, everybody that threw shade on him, you got to come back to him now and give him his flowers. I mean, he held mm-hmm. in. You, you got to get it. But we also got to address the elephant in the room. Right. I mean, let's 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 that we all this is fine, but we can't just go over it. We got to address the elephant in the room. All right. Is that the reason why? Right. What the elephant is. Tell him what the elephant is. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm just asking. I mean, we just kind of I thought it was something intentional. Like y'all didn't you know, y'all didn't say anything about it. There's a certain very highly touted freshman. That's just that's just didn't that's been out a few games that everyone knows about. Yeah, so Amani Bates has not played for the last uh, six <laughs> games. He's he's missed seven games for Memphis this season, and uh, and I got the stats for you. He's actually uh, um, th- this is according to uh, Evan Miyakawa, who runs uh, Evan M I Y A dot com. Um, he's our, our our stats guru at the field of sixty eight, and uh, right now the efficiency margins are um, plus six point seven uh, when it comes to having. Memphis with Amani Bates in the lineup, the, the games that they played with him and the games that they played without him, the efficiency margin is plus 15.2 for the people that are kind of not analytically inclined. What that means is that they're 8.5 points per hundred possessions better without Amani Bates playing in games, which roughly equates to about six and a half to seven points in a normal college basketball game. They're six and a half to seven points better without Amani Bates than they are with him on the floor, which is a big, big, big difference when it comes to one player being on or off which honestly you can kind of see it with the eye test yeah it's I, I, the, 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 tricky, ahead, the tricky part with Bates too is that those games that he's missed are directly lining up with the ones that DeAndre Williams has played those two haven't played a game together since December 14th they basically alternated in and out of the lineup and Williams you, you go back to last year when he got eligible and the team made that huge run down the stretch they won the NIT he and, and Bates take the team in different directions. He's unselfish. He sets people up. He's a great defender. Uh, that's kind of not what you would describe Bates' game as. So, uh, I, I, RC, do you think that they can continue this success if they get Bates back, or do we want this version of the Tigers going forward? I mean, that's a, seriously, that's a legit question. I mean, we, we, you know, I, I said it jokingly, but seriously, like we, it, Penny made the comment early on, that the older guys wasn't messing with the younger guys. And is it ironic that now Amani's out and then they go on this run? So either way, if he comes back, how does that work? You know, how, you know, how are you going to run the offense? Like, like is he going to buy in defensively? Because this team now is competing their ass on a defensive end that looks like a penny team that led the country, that was top five in the country in defensive efficiency, you know, for a couple of years in a row. So – they're defending at a high level. Um, listen, Armani's talented. No indictment on him. I don't want to, you know, we're not sounding like we're bashing him, but the facts are the facts and, and, and what, what's happening with that team right now with him being out, they seem to have jailed together and, I, I don't, and winning some games. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily blame him for any of this. I, I blame the people around him that thought that putting him in the situation that he was put into was going to be something that would succeed. You know, I've made this point before. He is supposed to be a high school senior. He is a 17-year-old that has spent his entire life playing as a shoot-first 
uh, gunner, as a shoot-first score. And mm-hmm. now you're going to try to plug him in to a Memphis team that wants to win with their defense and ask him to be a starting point guard in the mold of Penny Hardaway when he's never done anything close to that his entire life? It's just you're, you set the kid up for failure by putting him in that situation. And, and, and it, it's – I feel for him. I honestly yeah, what, do feel for him because he's a guy that he's got a lot of pressure. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 14 being called the next Kevin Durant. And that that's a lot for any 14-year-old. And one thing real quick, RC, we had a we had someone comment. You said that it was the the elephant in the room. He said Amani Bates is more like the stick figure in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the hollow man in the room. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Oh man, uh, you you mentioned giving Penny his flowers, RC. I, do we almost have to look back at some of those uh, press conference tactics of kind of calling out the veterans as almost a, a stroke of genius at this point? Because at that point, it seemed like insane to throw players under the bus. There's no way this is going to work. But they've rallied together. They've all kind of circled the wagons in that locker room, and and it's almost like a, a successful tactic. We kind of have to tip the cap to them at this point. You know what? I won't say that. I, I'll just say it worked. And and what it says is the players didn't quit on them. And that's the most important thing, regardless of mm-hmm. how the outside perception is, because there was so much going on. Right. Rasheed quietly went away because of the vaccination stuff. And he wasn't a, there just wasn't any clarity on what was going on. Then I you get all this polarizing you know, uh, what's, what's the word they use? It was a stick figure in the room. You get, yeah. you know, he's no, Armani's no longer available. And, it, and he's a high profile guy. I mean, he was one of the faces of college of basketball when the season started and he's not there. So it looked like a mess. You know, it looked like Memphis was imploding. So give, give Penny his, his due. I mean, it's credit to him to get this group rally those guys back together. And that just means the team didn't quit on them. And, that, and that, that's all that matters. Yeah, Bayern has always been, what he coached to like, he wasn't right. a guy that was reinventing the wheel offensively. Right. You know, he's not like John Beeline out here scheming up different yes. looks that people are not going to be expecting. Like his, what he did was he coached up defense and he coached up effort and he got people to buy in and he had them play that way. And they were really, really good at it. You know, at the end of last season, I, I know they didn't make the tournament, but I think when you went into selection Sunday, anybody that didn't think that was one of the top 30 to 35 teams in America was crazy, right? They didn't have the, the profile, to be able to get into March, you have to be able to win the games to be able to have the resume to get a, a, a bid to the tournament. So I don't think that they deserve to get in, but I think that they were good enough to be in. Be in. And I think we're going to be in the same situation this season. And the one thing that I am glad about is that they have that win at Houston right now. So they're always going to be able to say, we have this on our resume. This is what we can accomplish. I don't care if Memphis or that if Houston was missing guys, they got that win that they needed. And by the way, for the record, Johnny Davis scored the last 13 points for Wisconsin to lead them from behind <laughs> at Indiana to win. He had 30 tonight, 30 and 11 on 15 shots. What can that guy not do? Yeah, he heard, he heard Colin Gillespie played well, and he said, no, no. Right? You guys, you guys yeah, haven't yeah. seen anything. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's not even the most impressive performance of the night. I got to take that back. I got to walk that one back. Colin, uh, Rob, I, you, buddy. I like that you mentioned the, the Memphis win at Houston because last year they won on a buzzer beater half quarter at Houston. Mm-hmm. And this year they got over that hump. And I think that is a testament to how there's just a little bit something different with this Memphis team that can get into the field and can make a run. Uh, it, it's, we, we have to completely turn around on the takes that we had in the beginning of the season. But look, yeah. if we can't do that, if we can't admit our faults, then what are we doing here? Jim, I, I do want to ask you. So uh, you do a little bit more of the bracketology than me, either me or RC. Like how – 
how close is Memphis at this point? Because I, I think that they're like kind of one of those teams that's right there on the cut line. There's probably like seven or eight that are in the mix for those last, uh, that, in like the first four in, last four out range, whatever it is. What is your, uh, the, the, how, how close do you think that they're? Yeah. They're oh, they're, they're right on the cut line for sure. I, I think, uh, like I said, the, the, our bracketologist, Jonathan Rocco, Andy and Lucas all had them in like that last four where they would be heading to Dayton, but they did pick up another Q2 win tonight at Cincinnati. That's a nice notch in their belt. Uh, they got a couple more chances down the stretch. They've got the AAC tournament to potentially continue improving themselves. So uh, that is definitely a team that I think is trending the right way. That's for sure. Um, all right, but I just want to welcome in everybody from, that is now listening on Sirius XM radio channel 84. We are uh, live here on field of 68 after dark. Of course, you can also watch on YouTube. You can listen uh, on Twitter, see it on Twitter, and of course, participate in the chat. We've got a lively chat going on discussing everything that has happened in the college basketball world tonight. A lot of big results. Uh, Rob, you hit on it right before, uh, just, just a bit ago. Wisconsin just won at Indiana. The Hoosiers are now falling a little bit further back towards the bubble, maybe getting passed by a team like Memphis at this point. RC, are you worried about the Hoosiers, just not even from a getting into the tournament perspective, but from a, a home loss perspective, they lost at Northwestern. They had kind of the internal turmoil with guys sneaking out and getting caught and getting suspended. How do you feel about the Hoosiers right now? They're imploding. I mean, they were a team that we had in the tournament and, and they've had some success and some of their guys just didn't handle it and couldn't handle it. And, and now they're paying for it. Um, They've lost, they've had a tough stretch here. And now I, I don't see how we, if the tournament starts today, I, they're not in it. And they got some work to do right now. They lost a big game. They had a big chance tonight. They were leading most of the game. And then they got Johnny Davis <laughs> and uh, by the player of the year in the conference. And, and he's done that to quite a bit of people. But I, I just think now they got a lot of work to do. They got to win some games now and, and do some damage in the Big Ten tournament to get to well, the difficult part is the tournament. Yeah, the, the difficult part is that this was their home game. This was the yes. chance for them to land a, a quad one. one marquee one. win in their own building. Now, if they're going to do that, they're going to have to go and beat Ohio State at Ohio State. Or they're going to have to go and win on the road at Purdue when they have already beaten Purdue. And Purdue is probably going to be playing for the right to win a Big Ten title in that game in Mackey Arena on Saturday, March 5th. Or they're going to have to go out and win a bunch of games in the Big Ten tournament, like they're going to have their chances, but this was the one that they had a real opportunity to get. And they were up big. I think they were up by as, by as many as nine in the second half. They were up by two possessions uh, with two minutes left, uh, three minutes left in the game, whatever it was. So this this was the one that really, really hurt for them. But look, you got to give credit to Johnny Davis at some point. man. We, we talk all we, all we want about Providence finding a way to win games down the stretch. Like nobody wills a team to win the way that Johnny Davis wills his team to win. He puts up – at what point do we just kind of accept the fact that this dude is the best player in college basketball? I, I understand that there's a push to try to make Oscar Sheway the national player of the year. I've never seen Oscar Sheway go on the road and put up 30-12 and 12 on 15 shots and lead his team to a come-from-behind win at Indiana. Put up 37-14 and 14 on the road, lead his team to a come-from-behind win at Purdue. Do the same thing, 25 points on 11 shots at Michigan State. He did the same thing against Houston in the revamped, whatever it was, Maui and Vegas Invitational. Like, th this dude, Johnny Davis is the dude this year. He is that dude. I, I don't know how you could give the player of the year award to anybody else. He just keeps stacking up these performances. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it feels like anytime the narrative shifts towards someone else, he puts up a performance yeah. like this. Yeah. 
Yeah. He heard us talking about Gillespie and came out, came back and was like, nah, don't forget, forget about that. Don't forget about me. I you're right. I think he's he's the Big Ten player of the year, and I think he's he's honing in on the the, the national player of the year. I mean, he has been as good as anybody. Uh, I mean, I don't know who we we can like you said, there's a lot of promotion going on with Oscar and Jusang and a bunch of other guys that they hadn't had a better year than, than Johnny Davis. We got people in the chat telling us right now that he can win at uh, at Indiana, but he can't beat Rutgers at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he only only had eleven in that game. The the, the short yeah, memory, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. man, hey, these people hey, look, are brutal, boy. He's not perfect. <laughs> look, look, you know it, the Scarlet Knights, man. That's they're they're legit. They they can't beat Lafayette at home though. So it uh, it is what it is. Yeah, let's let's have fun with transitive property, and we can we can end up be, having Lafayette beat Auburn at some point. I'm sure we could get there somehow. <laughs> uh, let's see what, what some other big news on the bubble tonight. Uh, we did have Wake Forest come up just short at Duke. That was a wild game with a wild finish. Uh, the Duke, the, the Blue Devils had built a 15 point lead in the second half, doing so without Coach K, which we'll discuss in a second as well. Um, but Wake Forest was non-deterred. They, they came back. They had a foul trouble for Alondis Williams in the first half. Didn't, didn't knock them off their path. Uh, RC, what'd you see from your alma mater, the, the battle that they showed in the second half? Are you more encouraged by this, even though it was a loss? I mean, it's Duke. I, I was never discouraged. It was a difficult game. I, I, I mean, I thought it would be tough for them to go in there and win. I thought they had a shot. They showed great resolve in coming back and, and, and finding a way to, to make that a game. And they had their chances. They had a shot. I was, I think I'm more concerned coming out of it is, I'll say this. One, there's no doubt in my mind unless Wake Forest collapses, they're a tournament team. I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. I mean, I know they're on a two-game losing streak. This isn't a homer pick. I, I, I feel comfortable. that they got to turn it around. They got Notre Dame coming up. They got some, some games that they can't lose. And they got the tournament coming up. But we all year long we're talking about duke as a national championship team this point guard play concerns me right because there were decisions late in that game robin we were texting about that that we saw shire calling for a timeout and it just didn't happen we saw i mean it was so much trevor kill just drove right down the lane tried to throw the lob threw it out of bounds they didn't get back gave up a layup i mean you know Wendell Moore was just, just playing for a foul, get the backcourt violation. Like it was almost like they played not to win and almost cost themselves the game. And so I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. It may be time. And I thought, you know, Jeremy, you know, Jeremy Roach was playing better. And, that, you know, it doesn't matter if your coach isn't comfortable enough playing you when the game matters on the line. And they're going to have to figure out a way to get him back out in the lineup because if not, I don't think they can win a national championship. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about what, they don't have a point guard. This is why it's a concern. This is a red flag, blah, blah, blah. We always love to throw that out. They don't have a point guard. Well, we saw tonight for Duke wow. what, how that manifests itself in a game and on the court. The, the, the two plays that you mentioned, uh, there was about a minute left. Trevor Keels dribbles over to Shire. Uh, Shire is, wants him to call a timeout. Instead, he gets a guy on his back, drives to the basket, tries to throw a lot to Mark Williams, but like throws it over the backboard, throws it to the moon. Turnover layup at the other end. League gets cut to uh, cut to two. Um, they come down on the next possession, and Wendell Moore uh, calls for a ball screen when he is backed up against um, against half court. They trap it, and he basically dribbles into a backcourt violation. Um, and those two plays would not happen if you have a good to great point guard on your roster to be able to settle things down and run things. And that right there is the biggest concern with Duke. 
because it's going to be mistakes like that. We saw them blow the lead uh, against Wake Forest. We saw them blow the lead at Ohio State, and they lost that game. I think they they were up late against Miami, right? I think they were up six, uh, six to eight late in that game against Miami, and they ended up blowing up blowing that lead as well. That's that right there is the issue with them. It's not just the fact that they're young; it's the fact that they're young and they don't have someone that can settle things down when they need to have things settled down. Yep, Ty Jones, Ty Stones ain't walking through that door. I got a I question for you not guys. Walking through that door. I got a question for you guys because we know Coach K didn't finish the second half, right? He was ill. If Coach K tells Trevor Kill to come over and call a timeout, does he make the same play? Yeah, I don't think he's turning down Coach K. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think he's saying no to that Cause, offer. Because that's sad, but that says something, right? I mean, we're watching on TV. We all see it. We all see him point to the ground. I mean, did he just? Did he not see it? I mean, I I, I thought he was. Dribbling over to him for the timeout, and whoever it was, Alondis Williams went to gamble, and he just turned and went and just and just took off. You know, yeah, like that's, that, that's, that's exactly that's, what happened. That's, yep. But that's that, that says something. Like that is, I know that's youth, and I'm you know nobody's gonna make it. That but that is that resonates. Like a coach calls timeout, and you come behind and do that. Like wow. Yep. Yeah. Let's hit this more on the other side of a break. Let's take a quick break right now. Uh, We'll talk more Duke. We'll talk more Wake Forest and more bubble games, but let's take a break now. You're clear. Kono, is that that your daughter in the background there that just got a little shout out? Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) There she is. There she is. All right. Um, We got any questions in the chat? Yes, I'll hop on here. I ask you guys a couple questions. I got to go back and find them. A lot of Kentucky, Auburn talk in the Mm. chat as as we expected. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to Kentucky in this next yes, segment, guys. We'll get, we'll, we'll get there, I promise. Uh, here's one. Can Iowa State fans breathe now? Eight quad one wins after their win at TCU today. Jim, you're the you're the bracketologist here. Yeah, I think you got to get one or two more wins just just for the record. Um, but if they're what if they can get to six and twelve in the Big Twelve, that's probably safe enough considering they were undefeated in the non. One minute. Had some big wins, so I, I think they're getting there. One one or two more wins, they'll feel safe. I mean, they're they they played. They played 15 quad one games and their worst <laughs> loss is to Kansas state. They lost to TCU who is uh, like my end up being a tournament team that they, if they can't get in the tournament, like they, they, no one's getting to the tournament this year. They got to yep. be able to get it. Yep. Dagan, what else we got? I'm still 30 seconds. Here. I'm going back. This is, there was one way at the beginning. What are the chances Texas tech goes two and zero versus Baylor and Texas in Austin? Ooh, what do you think RC? No. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, like, that's tough, 15. man. That's tough for anybody to do. I, I, I think a split will be fair, but they're capable of doing it. I mean, they're going to be tough to Ten be at home. I mean, yeah, Baylor's banged up. That's yeah, tough. that's the issue. No no JTT Five. anymore. That's that's no bueno. Here you go. Yeah. All right, welcome back into the Field of 68s After Dark. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84, ESPNU. We're also live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. Be sure to check that out as well. I'm Jim Root, your host tonight. I'm joined by Rob Douster and Randolph Childress. And just before the break, we were getting into Duke. We were getting into Wake Forest. Now, Duke played that second half without Coach K. He did not come out for the second half. It sounds like it was just a not feeling well situation. Uh, Shire and Chris Carwell seemed to indicate that he was feeling all right. Uh, Rob, do you have any concerns about that going forward? Do you think this was a good thing for Duke maybe to get some some time without him, another uh, head coaching experience for Shire? How do you feel about this, spinning this going forward? I, I mean, 
I think it's just a sign of why when you get into kind of your, your late seventies, it's not a bad idea to not have to deal with the, the high stress environment of coaching a college basketball team. You know, like it, it's, uh, that's, that's really my only takeaway that like coach K is he's an old man. He, and, and there's going to be times where he's not feeling well. So uh, I'm glad that he's comfortable enough that he's able to turn the reins over to John Shire. And I don't think it's the worst thing to kind of, throw Shire into the fire a little bit and let him see if he can kind of figure it out. And, you know, he almost blew the game and that, that would not have been great. But um, yeah, I, again, my biggest concern with this Duke team is the point guard play. They just don't have, I, I don't know what you do. What do you do at this point, RC? Like, how do you, how do you solve that in the middle of the year? I don't, I don't think that there's a, a fix. I mean, listen, it, they've gone, they've wrestled with it. First, they, you know, they started out with Trevor, you know, with uh, Jeremy Roach, and then they switched. And then they, you know, they had one to more. And they got so many guys, all three of those guys handled it, from Trevor Kill to, to, to Jeremy Roach. I mean, I mean, hell, even Paula Bencaro kind of brings it up. So it, it really doesn't matter. But when it, it matters at the very end to make decisions to set your offense, and it seems to be like Roach makes a mistake, he, he comes out. He may try to, when he gets in, he tries to do a little bit too much at times, but I think it has to be Jeremy Rose. He's skilled enough. He's talented enough. He has to, he, he's got enough games under his belt now. If he's not going to be him, then, then I don't, I, I, then I don't think they can hold, they can cut down the nets. Is there a little concern at all about the defense for Duke? I mean, they've had, uh, they've given up some, some big performances at Cameron indoor. Obviously Miami had a big game against them, Florida state, uh, put up more than one point per possession. Wake Forest had 40 in the second half tonight. Uh, do we, are we concerned about the defense? It's especially off ball because they can put some on ball pressure. They've got shot blockers, but it seems like they lose focus off the ball at times, RC. That's just the way they play. I mean, Duke just, you know, they don't even, they don't want to get in a rotation a lot of times. I mean, they want to try to say, hey, I mean, they'll, they'll come, they'll try to force you baseline, but they prefer just to say, hey, you got your man, you know, and they will, they, you know, they'll come and they'll rotate when they have to, but, they, they want to try to keep Williams in. Tonight was hard, you know, because Walton was hitting threes. He was he was running to the corner, you know, things that you're just not accustomed to. The five-man, Walton was running to the corner in transition shooting threes. He was picking and popping. He had it going tonight, and that was pulling Williams away from the basket and Johns away from the basket, so the usual rim protection wasn't there. And and we talked about Coach K again, and I'll say this. You know he missed, his, he missed a game in Winston against Wake. Mm -hmm. Shire coached that game. So I guess he's comfortable with it. At this time, he just missed a half. But Shire actually coached the first game against Wake. That's true. Right. Coach That's K right. is just ducking Steve Forbes. That's all it is. I, it must yeah. be. It must <laughs> Doesn't be want to shake his hand after the game. That's it. Yeah. He wants hey, to look, keep I, his streak inside. I don't know how many. I, I know Steve Forbes. Shaking shaking his hand, you got to make sure that you, you lose a little bit of the hand sanitizer afterwards. It's Forbes. <laughs> you got to be careful with that one. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to another blue blood tonight. Uh, one, one that did not pull it out late. That is that is Kentucky. They they struggled on the road at Tennessee. Um, got down early, made a little bit of a comeback second half, cut it to eight, but then just got got kind of steamrolled by the Volunteers. Let's talk Tennessee first because I mean they, that has to be the story. They they beat a really good Kentucky team by fifteen points. Took care of business at home. Rob, what did what did you think about the Vols tonight? Does this tell you that they are maybe getting slept on a little bit. I, they're 10th in Ken Palm. They, they're way up there. Is this a true final four contender? Ooh, true final four contender. Uh, yeah. I think that they can get there. If they're going to shoot the way that they shot tonight and play offense the way that they played over the course of the last, uh, last month, I went back and I checked our, our, our friend over uh, at Torvik, Bart Torvik. He's uh, 
the way that he does his metrics, you can kind of look at where a team would rank in terms of efficiency over the course of a certain period of time. And if you go back starting from the day after that beat down against Kentucky until today, Tennessee is a top 15 offense in college basketball. And if they're going to do that with the way that they can lock up and guard when they want to lock up and guard, that is a team that can make it to a final four. Uh, I love the way that Kennedy Chandler is playing. I love the fact that they're able to play the Sakai Ziegler off of them and that they can give you different looks by running uh, Santiago uh, Vescovy out there with them as well. I think Josiah Jordan James making shots is an absolute game changer for him because JJJ can really lock you down. I don't know how many guys that are his size and his versatile defensively that there are in college basketball. And if he's making shots and space the floor as well, that becomes a problem. Um, and I also think that the, the multiple different looks they can give you up front. Like if you go back and look at their box score every night, it's a different big guy up front. There's like four or five dudes that they can kind of run out there. It's the, uh, I don't need the, the Plavsic kid, um, the, the A, what is it? A do whatever his name is. He yep. came in the other night and had, had like 12 points off the Jones. bench. Wilkerson yeah. was great tonight. He had that Wilkerson big one against Arizona. There. He was really yep. good. He was really yeah. good. Hunt, Huntley Hatfield or whatever his name is. Like they got like 19 different dudes that come out of nowhere off their bench that just go out and do, do a job up front. And they have enough guards to be able to make plays. I, I, I think that they can get to a final four. I'm not ready to bet on it yet. Uh, but I think that they can find a way to get there. But can I can I rip this this strength coach for Kentucky now? I'm, I'm watching <laughs> yes. this thing right now. He's geared. Rob's <laughs> been geared up for this. Hit him. Hit him. This this idiot. So um, <laughs> Kentucky got out to a great start in this game. Like uh, they were up by six early. They were playing really well. Kellen Grady made a couple shots. Ty Ty Washington hit a couple threes, and they're up by two. And there's a loose ball where John Fulkerson kind of like falls into the Kentucky bench and the Tennessee players are trying to go over there. Like it was one of those things where he was like on the edge of the court. So he kept kind of like slipping and falling and he's like balance is being held up by the Kentucky guys. So the Tennessee players are over there trying to get him out of there. And one of the, the, the strength coach, this little short little guy uh, with a half, like a, the white half zip on at the end of the bench. That, if you saw the play, you know who I'm talking about. Um, Sakai Ziegler kind of like moves him out of the way because he's trying to get his guy out of there. And this grown man goes to a five foot nine, 19 year old and decides to get in his face like he's got something to prove. Like he was disrespected because some 19 year old kid decided to try to get his teammate out of the scrum of another team's bench. And that kind of set the things off. People were pushing, people were shoving. It was a lot of, a lot of fake tough guys. But that got the crowd into it. That got the Tennessee team fired up, and they immediately went on a 17-1 to run, and that game was a blowout from there on out. It's all on that strength coach decided he had to go full Napoleon complex to try to show how manly he was to some 19-year-old point guard. Like, that, he lost him that game. He lost him that game. This is nothing, man. Like, that got me so fired. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Was why, it gonna get, is it going to get him fired, too? <laughs> if I, when Cal goes back and watch that tape, he, I guarantee he's going to be pissed off at that guy because that's what set off that run. And they Kentucky never responded from the punch that they took in that moment. Yep. Yeah. RC, anything else? I mean, obviously, that that was a big momentum turner. Uh, was there something you saw on the court that you were thinking, oh, man, like Tennessee is just controlling Kentucky in some regard. Uh, what, what were you seeing in that one? They got punched in the mouth early, but I thought they were going to slowly get back and they made a run. They cut it to what nine. I think, I, I, I think the biggest thing coming out of this game, we talked about the other day, we knew they had a tough stretch that we knew they weren't going to win out. You know, they were due for a loss. Now the concern is Ty Ty. If Ty Ty Washington is, is if he's, if he's, if his ankles bothering him and that injury is lingering, I would just shut him down for a while until I can get him healthy enough because 
this is the final four national championship roster and they're not going to do it without him. And yeah, he, he only took I, I would two take shots my tonight. Yeah. I take my lumps over tonight. the next two weeks to get him healthy. You know, whatever's going on, he just, you know, he went down. I don't think he came back in the game. Um, they, they need to get him right. Or if he has a high ankle sprain and that's lingering, then that changes all bets are off on Kentucky because they're not going far without him. Yeah, Rob, yeah, next, next two and a half weeks for Kentucky. They've got Alabama at home, LSU yep. at home at Arkansas, and then Mississippi and at Florida probably need to win four of those to get up to a one seed. Do you think they can get there? And I guess how much does it depend on, on tie tie? Can they win those games if they don't have a healthy tie tie? Yeah. RC shaking his head violently. No, for those listening. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. I think that they're going to end up being a top three seed, no matter what happens, right? Whether or not exactly. you win these games down the stretch. I said, no one cares if no one, no one in Bit Blue Nation, no one is going to care if you're a one seed or a three seed. Like, let this dude get healthy. I, I, I yes. don't know. It's hard yes. for us on the outside to know if Ty Ty Washington is a dude that is always hurt but never actually injured, or if he's really gutting through. Uh, an ankle injury that's painful. And I'm going to lean towards the latter because I saw how far those ankles rolled the two times that he injured at the time against Auburn on the road and the time against Florida. So I think that he's trying to tough it out and play through an injury right now. I think you can see that in the fact that he played, what was it? 23 minutes tonight, took two shots. Mm -hmm. Both of them are threes, right? Three turnovers. That's not a tie tie Washington kind of hit 28 against Tennessee. The first time that they played. Sit him down. Let him get healthy. Sometimes the best thing you could do for a kid that's trying to tough it out is to tell him to relax and take a, take, take a couple weeks off. Go get, even if it's just one week, take seven days and go get that thing iced up, get in the trainer's room, get some, get some heat on it, get some stim on it. Like Find a way to get yourself to a point where you're back to being Ty Ty Washington instead of being a dude out there with an ankle brace on. Because he's probably the competitor that doesn't want to sit. There's, there's plenty of guys out there like that that are, I'm good enough to play, but you got to see the long-term picture. Somebody's probably got to say that to him. Uh, all right. Uh, the, both these teams now, Kentucky and Tennessee, are tied in the SEC standings, 10-3. and three. Which one do you think has a better shot at making a run at Auburn? Who's got the two-game lead? Can either of them uh, win out and get that potential uh, SEC title game? No, I'm seeing I'm seeing no. no's from both of you guys. No, no, Auburn Auburn is going to win the SEC regular season. It's title. over. It is what it it's is. It's already it's over. over. It's over. Okay. They 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 got through their tough games. What I will say is this though, um, if you had to if you had to pick one of these three teams, let's say a healthy Kentucky, let's say Ty Ty takes two weeks off and he comes back to SEC tournament healthy, Tennessee playing the way that they're playing right now, or Auburn with Zepp Jasper in the lineup. RC, who you taking? Who, who's winning the SEC tournament? You got to pick one. You got to put your Auburn. net worth. You got to put net worth. Taking Auburn? I'm taking Auburn. Jim, who you got? I'll go Auburn. My, my, my net worth's not very high, so this is much of a gamble for me, <laughs> but that's all right. I'll, I'll take the Tigers. I'll, I'll trust Bruce Pearl with my, my $5 in my pocket. <laughs> uh, that, that's interesting. I, I think I probably would lean Auburn too, but I don't, like, I don't think it's a shoe I think Auburn's probably the best team in the SEC, but I think Kentucky's right up there with them when they're playing full strength. And I think that Tennessee is, is kind of getting there. Like, I, I think they've won what? They've, they've won eight straight games in the SEC. And the one loss in that stretch was in the Big 12 SEC uh, challenge when they lost by one at Texas in a game where Josiah Jordan-James had a wide-open look at a three to win it at the buzzer that rimmed out. Like, they're, they're, they're hitting their stride. And this was the team, remember – they were a preseason, what, top 10, top 12 team in the country? Yeah. Ranked oh, yeah. High. And yeah. then they're, they're, they've sat right around there. They've kind of gone under the radar at this point. Yeah. 
Uh, but all right, yeah. we're going to take one more break here. We're going to talk a little more about some of the bubble games that happened, maybe mention Texas, Oklahoma, an overtime game that went there. Michigan State's disappointing loss at Penn State. We'll discuss that a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Field 68 After Dark Afters. So plenty to come still on the other side of the break. Let's go to that now, and, and we'll see you all back here in a second. You're clear. Still fired up about that trainer, man, or that, that yeah. strength coach. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you need him on like a poster to get you hyped up in the mornings. Seriously, I might just tough. do it. Like this dude sitting there with his arms crossed. Like I'm so tough. I just showed up a 19 year old kid. I'm a strength coach. Strength coach are crazy too, man. Maybe I should stop talking bad about him. You're not coming Any, after me. Yeah. Anything in the chat, Dagan? Yes, yes, there is. And this is a game we may get to a little bit later if we have if we have the chance. We have some time. What is Wyoming's ceiling in the tournament? High. If they get there, I think it's high. Yeah, they, they play slow and they've got two like actual difference makers that are really hard to game plan for EK and Maldonado. I don't know like what you do against those guys with short turnaround. So that could be tough. Yeah, Maldonado, the part of the reason they lost at the pit tonight was Maldonado played probably the worst game he's ever played in his life. He was two for 12 with eight turnovers. EK so. wasn't all that much better. He was 10 for 21. He had four turnovers. Like he was, they, they weren't great. Um, but I do think that Wyoming is, is good enough. Can we give a shout out to Jeff Linder, by the way? Like th that dude has found a way to to make that Wyoming, and it was quick too. Yeah, it was thirty seconds. Quick that he was to get that team going. So shout out to Jeff Linder, man. Yeah, uh, one more one more hey. quick one. One more quick one for you, Rob, specifically from Derek Wade. Who will oh, win boy. between Purdue and Kentucky? Uh, I would take at, at full strength. I would take Kentucky, and I would take them pretty quickly. Uh, my uh, the only concern that I would have is that uh, that that Ed and Trevion would get. Big Sheev and Falchow pretty quickly, but there's no – Ty Ty might go for 100 in that game. Five. Very true. Here you go. All right, welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. As a reminder, you can listen here on Sirius XM Channel 84. You can also check us out on YouTube or Twitter. And if you're so inclined to participate in the chat on YouTube, we, we invite you to do that as well. We're answering questions during breaks and during the after dark afters. Uh, but let's talk Michigan State real quick, guys. They, they went to Penn State. They took an L on the road. They really struggled at the end of both halves. They, they had a drought at the end of the first half. They gave up a 10-2 run to end the game. They had gotten up double digits in that first half or in the, in the second half, but were not able to hang on to the lead. Uh, RC, this is another team that's got a little bit of point guard question marks. Our, uh, AJ Hogard apparently had a rolled ankle. Tyson Walker hasn't been too sharp. How concerned are we about Michigan State going forward at this point? We've always had concern about Michigan State and their and their point guard play. I don't I don't think we've ever settled that. So they've been as good as they've been all year long. I don't expect it. I don't think anyone we expect them to be a tournament team, but I don't think anyone expected a final four run or a second weekend in the tournament. So I, I they've they've been as good as we expect them to be. I'm not surprised. I'm not down on them. I mean, they'll get a a five seed or something like that, but it wouldn't shock me if they're, if they're upset in the second round or something like that in the tournament. So it, it's, it is what it is. I, I think they're, you know, they've been pretty consistent all year. Yep. Rob, similar thoughts. I mean, yeah, if they're, if they're five, that's when you get the, the 12 seed lurking, one of those. Yeah. You know, that's where the upsets come in. Yep. And happy Valley is a tough place to play, especially in February. Weird things happen in the big 10 and happy Valley in February. Uh, but is, is blowing the lead concerning? I mean, they got the lead. That's good. But 
they weren't able to close. That's that's got to be a little bit of a concern for that team. I, I just don't think that this team is all that good. You know, they're they're they don't have a star. They don't have a guy that you sit there and say, I don't know how I'm going to deal with them. When you if you're game planning for this group, the first thing you're going to say is, how do I keep them off the boards? How do I keep them out of transition? Right. That that's that's what your concern is. You're not worried about anybody specifically on the offensive end of the floor um, beating you. And I think that's a problem. Um, I think, you know, tonight uh, some of the beat writers are tweeting this. Normally, Michigan State is the most accessible program in, in college basketball. You can talk to anybody you want. You can get any kid you want. Uh, they have locker room access. They are free. They are open. They love inviting the media. There's a reason why everybody in the media loves Tom Izzo because he loves talking to everybody. He, he's, he, he really is good about that. They did not send any players out to, to meet with the media tonight, which is the first time that that's happened in like five or six years in, in a long time. Um, so I, I wonder if there's not some kind of internal strife within that locker room where, where maybe – I don't know that people are fighting over who's going to be the guy that gets the shots or they're not happy about the fact that they're losing, whatever it is. I, I just, I've never, I was never all the way in on this team. I was never bought in on them being more than just kind of like a good team in this league. And I think the fact that they started five and zero in the conference had much more to do with who they played in those five games than the Michigan state being a team that could actually go out and win the big 10 regular season. And look, you want to know what their schedule is the rest of the year. I got it right here in front of me. They get Illinois at home on Saturday. They're at Iowa, who is a top 20 team in all of the metrics on Tuesday. They get Purdue at home next Saturday. Then they're at Michigan and they're at, uh, at Ohio state before finishing the season off against Maryland. And that, they could lose these next five games. They legitimately yeah. could be heading into the last day of the regular season under 500 in the big 10. And that is not a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take winning a game almost that they're not expected to win. I mean, they, they already lost to Illinois without Kofi and now they bring Kofi Coburn to town. And you mentioned that road schedule. That is, that is brutal for what they've got coming up down the stretch here. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have any further thoughts on Michigan state. I, I think they are who they are is kind of like the, the correct conclusion. Yep. They are who we thought we, they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let them off the hook. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk Texas. Let's talk Texas real quick. They went to Oklahoma, got an overtime win. Were able to gut that one out without Trey Mitchell, who, who is taking a personal leave of absence from the team. Mm. That robs them of a interior scorer, another versatile lineup option. You're getting a lot more Brock Cunningham because of his absence. Uh, RC, do you think that's something where this team had issues with pecking order before? maybe could even help them with chemistry team. They, they slot into more acceptable roles, less mouths to feed offensively. Do you think maybe that could help them going forward? Maybe it's going to have the Amani Bates effect, right? Sometimes less is more when you got so many guys and, and you're, we, you know, you're wondering, will they take a step? Sometimes, I mean, less is more. And, and I'm not saying that there's any type of issues with there. I don't know what those, that situation, you know, is with Trey. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to speak on that at all. But sometimes when you're missing guys, guys step up, guys get an opportunity. And, you know, Oklahoma had been playing better. And I, I think they needed – Texas needed to get that win tonight. Oklahoma needed it bad for their resume if they wanted to try to make a run to get in. And that just didn't happen. And, and I, I think their tournament's done. So, for Texas, it would have been a bad loss for them to lose at Oklahoma tonight. And credit to them. They found a way to get it done in, in Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma's now lost 10 of their last 13. They are lagging a little bit, only 4-9 in the league. Really, really struggling down the stretch. Rob, any, any takeaways from this game? What did you see from either Texas or Oklahoma coming down the stretch that stood out to you? 
I mean, I don't think these teams are necessarily all that good. I, I'm not. I'm not bought in on Texas at this point. I, I, I wasn't I think never bought in. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that they're fine. Um, I, I don't love any of their uh, specific pieces, um, except Timmy Allen. Timmy, like the the mid range bucket getters, Timmy Allen and Teddy Allen. Those two. By the way, did you know that they were brothers, Jim? I I did. I forget what uh what I was watching when they were they were talking about Timmy Allen. They're like, oh, his brother who used to play at. Uh, Nebraska and I wanted him to be like and also at Iowa Western and West Virginia and Wichita State and just list all the places he'd been but (laughs) actually I don't think I knew until they said it and it was the thing that made the most sense like as soon as I heard it it was like oh yeah those guys they're the same of course (laughs) yeah as soon as soon as I was like and his brother Teddy Buckets I was like it was like yeah, the moment the, just went off, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that makes complete sense." That these two dudes, who all they do is hit pull up twelve footers, yeah, of course they're related. <laughs> the shooting form is very similar. The look is yeah. very similar. Like it, it, it all added up once, once uh, th- that was put in front of us. Uh, all right, we we had this question in in the chat over break, but I want to get this on air real quick. Wyoming took a loss at Nebraska or at New Mexico tonight at the pit. Tough place to play, only six-point favorites. So not like a, a huge, bad, bad loss, but it is Q3. So that's going to hurt the resume a little bit. Uh, we, we mentioned they've got some big-time matchup problems on their roster in, in a tournament setting. RC, are you worried about them at all, or is this just like, you know, you, you play a, a long conference schedule, eventually you're going to take one of these losses on the road? They're in. Uh, I, I don't mean they're, they're in. I don't, I don't even think it's in. I mean, it's a disappointing loss. You don't want to lose. The, I mean, New Mexico is three and eight in conference play. It's a bad loss for them in that aspect because we're expecting them to win. But Wyoming's in the tournament. Like Once I mean, they're in, how do you feel about them? I think they got a chance. You know, I'm not – again, I'm not picking them to be a Final Four, but they're not a team that you want to get. I don't know where their seeding is going to be. But you don't want to play them in an eight-nine game or anything like that. Like they're not a team you want to play the first weekend. You don't want them in your side of the bracket. That's just the best yeah. way I can say it. I think they're a tough matchup. I think the biggest thing that they they did was hurt themselves in terms of where their seed is going to end yes. up being. Yes. Right. So now instead of being like maybe a seven or eight, you're maybe looking at like a nine or ten because they don't they don't have the stuff at the top of the resume that would make you say, okay, look at what they've done. They can do all of that. Uh, their resume looks really good because they don't have a lot of losses and they've done really well in a mountain West that has looked really good in the computer metrics. Right. So I think it hurts them in that sense. And it kind of eliminates any of the wiggle room they have. Like you can't mess up again. If you mess up again now, it's no. like, okay, we need to take a longer look at whether or not this team actually deserves to get in the tournament. So don't mess up again. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is they just, it means instead of playing a 10 seed in the first round, now you're probably going to end up having to play a seven seed, which not all that much of a difference, but it, it's, it's a little bit of a tougher first round game. Yeah. That's always a delicate dance in that part of the field. You want to avoid the the eight, nine game. Cause you don't want that, that one seed in the second round. Uh, RC, what were you going to say? No, that was exactly what I was going to say. I like their team. I think could win a second round game, but if they get that eight or nine seed, I don't, they're not beating a one seed. Right. Uh, that, it's they're, tough they're, to see that kind of know, upside with that team. They're a type of team that could go and make a run. I mean, you know, and ups, let me say this, they can be an upset team, but if they if they get the eight or ninth game, they're not they're not beating a one seed. Yeah, you always it's almost you want that eleven seed. You can go through a six, you right, can go through a three, right? right but right. it's tough to get through a one seed there. Um, all right, that is it for our show here on uh, the field of sixty-eight after dark on Sirius XM. We are going to transition over to field of sixty-eight after dark afters. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on the radio. Thank you to our our chat, our chat mob. Dagan Hughes behind the scenes producing. 
Uh, thank you to RC and Rob. We're going to close it out now. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and stick around for afters. And you're clear. All right. Good show, Jim. Way to, way to, way to steer the ship. Uh, real quick, <laughs> before we move on to the afters, I do have to pay the bills. Uh, Jim, I got to ask you a question, man. Hit me. What's, what's more important than peace of mind? Uh, very nothing. little. Very little. No, nothing nothing, is, more, oh, well, nothing yeah. is more important than peace of mind. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, the most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything that you do online, Jim, stays secure. And we know that what you do online needs to stay secure. So uh, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection and plans start at just under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code Believe that's B L E A V to get up to 70% off your Nord VPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. That's NordVPN.com slash B L E A V. Jim, go ahead, take us away on the afters. Oh, I'll, I'll do what I can. I, I, do we have any questions in the chat? I'll, I'll defer to Dagan on that one if there's anything coming in. Yes, there are some questions coming in. Make, obviously, everybody, make sure you get your questions in. So these wonderful, this wonderful panel. And hit that like can, button. We need some answer. more likes on this video. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's see. If Arizona wins out but loses in the Pac-12 tournament, it doesn't say when. I'm going to assume that's early in the Pac-12 tournament. Do they still get a one seed? I think yes, but I'm not sure they want one. I think they kind of want to stay out West and play in San Diego and San Francisco. Uh, of course that keep them in Gonzaga's bracket, but I think they'd still get a one if they went out regular season. I, to me, that's the most inter- interesting question for, for kind of how this bracket is going to shake out is does Arizona want a two seed? And is there any chance of them being able to beat out Gonzaga for that number one seed out West? No, I don't know if there is, but you yeah, know what I, I want, you know what I want? I want them to get a two seed because there's nothing in the world that I want more than Tommy Lloyd and Arizona facing off with Mark Few and Gonzaga for the right to go to the final four. I'm here for the drama, man. Yeah, uh, that, that would be would plenty be, of it. That, that, let's yeah, let's make it messy. A lot of stories in that one. <laughs> let's make it messy. Um, be a lot of real quick, in that one. I just want to say to the people in the chat, if we get to 50 likes on this video, Jim has volunteered to wear his spinny hat the next time that he hosts the field of 68 after dark <laughs> done so. absolutely I'll, I'll do that anyways that's next thursday so get, get ready for that let's get our 50 yeah. likes what we else got we got 50 Dagan? likes yeah. yeah sticking on the one seed talk we already kind of talked about this a little bit but uh, for people that weren't here we'll, we'll touch on it again is kentucky still a number one seed we never had them as a one seed so what are the chances they can get there still yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, they got to win down the stretch. And as RC, you were saying, it, it's going to be tougher to win because I think you should be resting tie tie at this point. They're, they're going to struggle some down the stretch because he's not 100%. And they got some they got some games now. They got Alabama. They got I mean, they got some games coming up that they're going to have to. I, I would just rest them. They're 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 a 
championship team with him healthy, I would get him healthy before I put him back out there. Now, if he plays in the next game or two, then to me, I'm wondering what's really going on. Is he more hurt than injured? But if he's injured, I'm shutting him down. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. And if I'm anybody that is a Kentucky fan or anyone within that Kentucky program, I don't give a shit about whether or not I get a one seat or not. I care about hanging up that, was it the ninth banner? I hear about, right. I care about getting up that, that next banner up there. And you're going to have a chance to get that banner if Ty Ty's 100% healthy, whether you're a one seed, a three seed, or a 12 seed. Yep. You're not going to have a chance to get that banner if Ty Ty is not healthy and you play for a one seed. So, yeah. Let them rest, Kentucky, man. yeah. Kentucky's going to have fans anywhere they go. So, like getting a top seed in prime geographical placement isn't that a big a deal for them. Hey, can we just shout out uh, Jay in the chat real quick? Who said Jim Root should be on After Dark, dark more? Maybe he should replace Kevin Sweeney. Yeah, what a call so out! A Sweeney, specific shot. Sweeney catching strays. Wow. On yeah, that Sweeney today. Y'all let my guy get off my guy. They coming at him. <laughs> we got it. We we do have to get Jim Root on more. But come on, miss. There, there's nothing wrong with Sweeney. Rob, I like the question. How many how many likes to get you yeah. in a spinning? Yeah, hat? Ace wants to know how many questions to get you in a spinning hat. That was my next question for you. How, give me a number. Let's get us to 75 and I'll, I'll buy a spinny hat and I'll wear it. Let's get to 75 likes. What are we at now? We're They're at very expensive. I want you to know that. They're like eight whole dollars. So, oh man, I, might yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> by the way, by the way, TO and Fanta think I've forgotten about this. And I know there, there's no way that they're watching right now because they're probably out drinking in Providence. Um, they have to wear hot dog suits for one of our shows at the Final Four because they made a bet with me. You want to know what they bet? They bet me that Maryland would be ranked in the top 13 at some point this season. Yikes. And the loser had to the loser Yikes. had to wear has to wear a Man, hot dog a suit. Sucker's bet. When did they what make did they that do bet? It? Yeah, that's a bad pre-season. bet. Preseason. Preseason. Oh, yeah. I, asked, I told them I told them literally literally anything that you want to bet, I will bet that. Would, would you have had to do the hot dog even, thing? Yeah, I would I would okay. have to do that. They decided that they wanted to wear hot dog suits. I would have taken literally any bet that they wanted in the preseason that Maryland would not be ranked in the top 13, anything. It doesn't matter. What do they have to make them think they'd be ranked that high? Like, 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 I don't know. I think that they were drinking on the Brown stuff when they made that decision. (laughs) (laughs) They were all on the fats Russell train. Oh man. I I tell you what, you guys mentioned about the number one seed. who gets it in the East. It, it might be somebody getting shipped there. Usually that's what happens in the West is there's nobody good enough mm-hmm. for the West seed. So it's like Duke getting shipped West or something, but maybe Arizona is who gets shipped East. Where, where are there, where are the, uh, the sites? Where are the regionals? Oh, I got that for you. I'll pull up my, my, I, I mentioned this on Twitter at one point, but I had a big bracketology document and I entitled it open items. So I could keep it open at my old office job and, and no, none of my bosses walking by would, would see the tab name and wonder what it was. Uh, but we've got Chicago, San Francisco, San Antonio, and then Philly is where the, the East Philly. regional is. So Villanova wants to get there. That's for yeah, sure. Villanova wants to get there. And if you end up getting Villanova, are they allowed to play there? They intentionally scheduled only three games at Wells Fargo this year. So okay. they would meet the criteria. Perfect. So, I, I mean, Imagine having to draw Villanova in the Wells Fargo Center if you're uh, like Purdue. Yeah, or even if you're one seed Arizona and you're basically playing a road game in the it's Elite pro- Eight or something. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> going to end up being Arizona that that is the number one seed there. I'm guessing, right? Because I, I, Auburn, yeah. Kansas will get the uh, Kansas will get 
Chicago. Auburn will probably get San Antonio. No, Kansas will get San Antonio. Auburn will get Chicago. San Francisco will be Gonzaga. And then Philly will probably end up being Arizona, which. So you don't think you think if Duke wins out, they get it? No, but I think that they'll. I think that you're probably looking at Arizona heading to uh, Philadelphia to play the winner of Duke or Villanova for the right to get to the final four. That's brutal. Yeah, maybe, maybe Arizona Duke too. Arizona tanks one against Oregon to a get Oregon in the tournament, more Pac-12 love, and b keep them out west for the two seed. Maybe that's their yeah. their sneaky yeah. goal. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the plan. By the way, we are at 47 likes right now. We need three Oof. more to get Jim in a spinny hat. 28 more to get me wearing a spinny hat. Hit those I, likes. I think, Come on. Here we go. Here's a good. Here's a good. A good, good comment in the chat. I think for everybody. I think we should get Jeff Goodman on a field of 68 afters only with that Arkansas grandma, a.k.a. Mama Sterner. Oh, yes. I think we need, we need that. That's a must. We can hook that up. <laughs> I'm sure we can get yep. that done. Mama Hog, she will absolutely do it, too. She will absolutely she will do it. eat Jeff ass alive. She, oh, she's the best. <laughs> she, what a treasure. Carter Elliott well, called me out for not having Bluetooth headphones. I would lose them in a second, so I, I can't trust myself with yeah, Carter, something that doesn't Carter, have wires. Carter Elliott, Carter Elliott needs to pipe he, down. He also okay. he also medically retired from his fandom from Michigan State earlier in the chat. <laughs> medically, he's, he's now focusing on on his family. Is what he said. Okay. <laughs> he um, needs to keep focusing on that gym. Yeah. I, I hope he's still staying in the gym with all that New Year's resolution BS he was telling us. No, you know what you know what he's doing now, Randolph. He's taking pictures of himself in the gym and then leaving. That's that's his new that's his new New Year's resolution. If I put it on my Instagram story, then everybody thinks it happened. And he also posts something about what what Toonies is into every day in the gym, just to make sure people know he's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, here's one, Jake Owen Camp. I can answer this one for you. Will Iowa State make the tournament? Yes. Uh, next yes. question. Uh, yep. What what is Arkansas or the Hogs ceiling? I'm assuming that that's Arkansas. I don't know of any other teams that are called the Hogs. So. Yeah, man, I, they could be. probably get up to what five or six seed. It feels like they're they're yeah. surging like crazy. Yeah, let me. SEC is just brutal, you know. Like it's brutal. Like you don't know uh, who's coming out of there. I mean, Tennessee's playing great. We honestly should have seen this coming with Arkansas, though. Like this is what Must does. They 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 mess around for like the first eight weeks of the season, and then once you hit league play, boom, he figures out who his stud is, who the guy that's going to play defense for him is, and how to take advantage of the specific strengths of every single person on his roster. And they just they just take off like this. And it's to the moon. They did it last year. They're doing it again this year. I, why? Why do? Why are we surprised when they figure it out in January? Yeah. That's just and what he, he does. He always has the quote about, or he, a couple couple years back, he talked about wanting to play only seven or eight guys every year. And this year, he had like eleven, and so he eventually just kind of whittled it down. Vanover's out of the rotation. He's got his seven and eight that he trusts, and that that team is rolling now. Yeah, they're they're good. I, I don't know what their seed ceiling can be simply because they have two pretty bad losses. Uh, they lost to Vanderbilt at home and Hofstra at home without Hofstra's best player, which is gross. Uh, but down the stretch, this oh man, this is brutal. They have Tennessee at home, at Florida, Kentucky at home, LSU at Tennessee. So like, it, if Arkansas wins out, I mean Arkansas might be a three seed if they win. Yeah, out. no That's way. Ridiculous. They win. <laughs> they're not. They're not winning out. But they have no they have five quad one wins and one game against a team outside the top twenty right now. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, bro. That is brutal. If they hey, if they went out on the last Saturday of the regular season, we'll get Mama Hog on here to talk to Goodman. Oh, there you got to put him in his place. <laughs> Everyone's yep. an Arkansas fan now. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jared Fisher asks, "How can you say Iowa State makes a tourney when they're last in their conference?" Jim, I know you're a big advocate of this, so go ahead and take <laughs> this one. 
Yeah, conference standing and conference record don't matter. It, it's it's not on the team sheet. It's not something they look at. It is about the resume metrics, the predictive metrics, the quad one wins, the quad two wins. They they've got a ton of those, especially relative to other bubble teams. Like they just don't even have the chance to take bad losses to drop out. So as long as the overall record is fine, they're going to have the win profile to get in. It's just going to be too good to keep them out. They have eight quad one wins. North Carolina has zero quad one wins. Zero. <laughs> Do you want to know all the other teams that also have eight quad one wins? I'm going to read them off for you. Wisconsin yes. has eight quad one wins. Um, Kansas has eight quad one wins. Baylor has nine quad one wins. That's it. That's uh, it. And Rob, Iowa State. That's the end of the Car- list. Rob, Carolina resume is clean, man. It's clean. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that last night. That's why Sweeney's getting kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we got to get that's, that's why, why we got to get oh, man. he's not <laughs> wrong but i'm not gonna die on that hill that's <laughs> let me ask let me ask you guys this let me ask you guys this. <laughs> we've seen mid-major teams that have cleaner profiles than what north carolina has right now that don't even get a sniff for the tournament so they're only going to get in because their name is north carolina yeah, right. there, there, there were a couple of years on Selection Sunday. I included Syracuse for that reason. It's like, th- this is this is Syracuse. They want them in the tourney. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true, but I love using the conspiracy theory as a re- reason to make oh, that it's decision. Great. <laughs> it's great. You, you do strike me as a big conspiracy theory guy, Jim. Yeah, I've, I, I've got my spinny hat and my foil hat in the closet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, Dave? All right, we'll do, we'll do one more, and I'll let you guys get to three cheers. Here oh, I got, I got a good one. I got a good oh. one. Mary date dump. I was going to, I was the, the one. Con- you, you, why'd you take it right from me? Well, let me ask the question. Rob. Okay, go ahead. Go Come ahead. On, Sorry. My bad. My, my apologize. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and drink my brown stuff. Mary date dump. Zakai Ziegler, Kennedy Chandler, or Santiago Vesky. I'll defer to you guys. I, I'm RC, oh, repeat the, RC, repeat the question again. At this. Mary date repeat dump. the question again. Mary date okay. dump. So your little mm-hmm. Valentine's Day thing you did last night. With mm-hmm. Zakai Ziegler, Kennedy Chandler, or Santiago Vesky. I think I'm That's dating tough. Ziegler. He seems like a fun time. He got into it with the strength <laughs> guy tonight. Yeah, he, he's going to be an experience. <laughs> well, what hey, I was going to hey, say is... I, and, and I went back and watched it. He actually pushed him. Did he? No, he, he, did. He, 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 he did. He did. He went over the, and pushed him. But, he but here's my him. thing. It wasn't... He wasn't, like, trying to fight the dude. He went over there and got him away because he's trying to get his guy out. But my thing is, if you are an adult on that bench and you're supposed to be a coach and you're supposed to be a leader of men, you cannot respond by trying to fight a 19-year-old, a five foot nine, 19. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. It's a horrible look for any adult. I I had some people in the chat, some people respond to me and they're like, what would you do if someone came up and pushed you? It's like, well, I'm 37 years old. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to try to fight him. That that is not happening anymore. My high school football coach pushed the guy to the ground. Oh, did he, he got pushed twice because oh, wow. whoever Good. it was, someone ran up and pushed him first, and then he got pushed again. And then he caught that by that point, he probably just held his ground. I like, hope he I, gets pushed again, man. Someone you know, throws like, his little I, ass to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait to see what happens when Coach Cal walks into that 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 strength room tomorrow oh, and realizes man. that the reason they went on this run is because oh. this knucklehead went out there and tried to fight a five foot nine, 19 year old. And you know, Cal's going to at least when he gets over it, he's going to pick on him about it. He's going to be like, oh, look, yeah. next time, shut your ass up. So we'll seriously. <laughs> but anyway, to answer the question, I'm dumping Santiago Vescovi. I'm sorry. I love you. We got to get rid of you. 
Um, I'm dating Kennedy Chandler. I can't trust his shooting yet. Uh, and I'm marrying Zakai Ziegler. If you're, if you're willing to step up to a, a strength coach at five foot nine, that's my kind of dude right there. He had one high major offer coming out of high school. He's five foot nine. He's, he's, he's the X factor on that team. Zakai Ziegler, I'm dumping I do not love him. I'm you're dumping, dumping Zakai? I'm dumping him. The, the hatred out here. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, I'm dating Ziegler, I'm marrying Chandler, and I'm I'm dumping Vescovy, unfortunately. By the way, Jim, we're at 59 likes, which means you have to wear the spinny hat. If we can get this up to 75 likes, I will wear a spinny hat next time. I'm uh, Well, I'll order one tonight, and we'll see how many. Um, we'll see. Whenever I get the spinny hat, I will wear it on the next show. There we go. So it'll be spinny Thursday game. next week. Can't spinny wait. Spinny Thursday. Am I on with you next week on Thursday? I, I don't know the schedule. They don't tell me that. Yeah, you guys I'll should check. know the schedule. I, I don't even know the <laughs> schedule, and that's probably my, my job today. Guys, but oh well. All right, you guys can do three cheers now. That's all we have in the chat for the most part. So nothing else. All right, three, three cheers. Who wants to go first? RC, you ready for for three cheers? I'm you got ready. something ready? I, I, all right, I'm I'm gonna go to the, the Villanova Wildcats tonight. I mean, they 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 showed their medal tonight. That was a big game. It was a must win game if they wanted any shot of of, of keeping that crown of the Big East champion. And and they they went into a a great environment tonight. And got it done. All right. Villanova. So that cheers to Villanova. Uh, that was good. <laughs> Every time Jim starts just chugging the water like this, it cracks me up out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to go with Villanova and Colin Gillespie because of that performance. Uh, but yeah. I will, I will instead go with, uh, with Johnny Davis. Like, how can you not go with Johnny Davis? 30 points last 13 points of the game. They win at Indiana in a game they had no – like, they they, they kind of got their asses kicked a little bit in that game, and he he willed them to a victory again. That's all this dude does. National he, player he, of the year, Johnny Davis. Great to say, did he lock it up? Did he lock it up tonight? You think he locked it up tonight? I, I don't I don't want to say he locked it up, but, like, to me, it's he, it's him and then he everybody started else to separate. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Like, we, we talk about – we talk about Heisman moments when it comes to, to football, right? Who else has had as many Heisman moments as Johnny Davis has? Yep. Big no, national TV on. games. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Go, go and watch the highlights of the game winner that he had tonight. Like, the drive and the finish, the A1. Like, he, he's ridiculous. And, and he does that, it feels like, at least once a week. He has a performance like that, which is insane. No yep. one should be doing the things that he's doing at the level that he's doing it in the Big Ten. I, I think it's over. And I said it, the reason I said it, because when we first talked about them and they went out early, they came out early and we were questioning it. It was like, I don't see anybody else on this team. People are going to be able to, to like box in one, scheme them and slow them down. He don't, I don't know if he got enough. He, he done went through all of that. Like, I don't want to hear any of that. And he has them right there. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's over. I think it's his. I mean, unless he just lays down, which we know he's not. I, I think player of the year discussion is over. Yeah, I think it's hard to catch him. Uh, my cheers is to John Herrer, college basketball's uh, Michelin man. He, he kind of looks like if uh, somebody at Monty Bates size got super soldier serum and he plays like him, too. He's got the like the, the pre super soldier Steve Rogers dedication to him. And he had 16 and 16 tonight, win over Michigan State. He was everywhere. That's Wait, my, who, my did, cheers. who did Penn State beat? Michigan State, the Spartans. Oh, they beat Michigan State, the Spartans. Potter. Oh, tough. Oh, tough. <laughs> tough, Mr. Elliott. Uh, so, to, to John Hare. To John Hare. To John Hare. All right. All right. 
that's it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll, of course, be back tomorrow night. Not the same crew. But we won't make Randolph do three in a row. We'll, we'll see if we, <laughs> we can get him back again. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to check out the, the YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Hit the like button on this chat on your way out. Get, get up to 75 we likes. We need 11 so more likes. 11 more hat. likes is all we need so I can yeah. wear a spinny hat. Create 10 accounts to somebody one. out there and, and just go hit like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks again to Dagan. Thank you to Sirius. Thank you to everybody for letting us do this, making it happen. We'll see you again tomorrow night.